Hi, everybody. The Super Bowl has come and gone. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs on winning the title. And because the Super Bowl has come and gone, my colleague, P.J. Ziegler, can finally take a deep, deep breath. He worked his butt off down in Miami. And we're about to talk about the experience of being one of a very select few correspondents to work for the huge TV chain Nexstar that we are a part of. It's a wild undertaking with 200 stations now part of this group. And PJ was one of those small group of reporters that had the opportunity to do a lot of reports for a lot of different TV stations. Let's hear his story on how things went down. We sat down in one of our editing booths today and chatted about it. Here's PJ. PJ, have you caught your breath? Uh, still trying to uh, get my, my bearings again, especially after coming back from 80 degree temperatures all week and sunshine and then coming back to um, cold and ice and snow. Um, the other day I went to go work out and I, I just wore a pair of shorts because that's what I was used to wearing down there. And all of a sudden now I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm very much uh, underdressed here. But uh, yeah, slowly starting to get my, um, my voice back again, uh, get some rest um, and get acclimated to uh, being back in Ohio. Kind of a clarification for folks listening. You were down in Miami covering the Super Bowl along with seven other reporters. Is that right? Seven other? Yeah, there was uh, 12 journalists total. Um, eight, four of them were photographers. Okay. And then um, eight of them were um, basically reporters, uh, anchors uh, from their uh, selective markets. So there was somebody from Indianapolis, somebody from Denver, somebody from St. Louis, somebody from Grand Rapids, somebody from San Diego, um, and a uh, reporter from uh, Tampa Bay as well, and then, of course, me from Cleveland. And over the course of a week, and this is not just you, this is the other guys or gals that were down there um, in Miami Beach uh, in, Flo in South Florida, you did like 300 live shots. Let's explain to someone that's listening, what is a live shot, first of all, and then what went into doing a live shot, and, and how did you last doing so many? Okay, so I just got the final number. As a company, <laughs> as a company for the week, we executed over 1,500 live shots. So what a live shot is, is when it's a reporter standing in front of a camera, yep. and they're live on the air, and they're either tossing to their story that they did for the day, and or doing a talkback um, Q and A type of situation with the anchors. So gotcha. we did fifteen hundred and fifty some uh, live shots uh, for the course of roughly eight days. So we had uh, there were three shifts. We had a like I think it was six a.m. to ten a.m. shift. Then we had a four p.m. to eight p.m. shift, and a eight uh, an, an eight p.m. to I believe or maybe it was nine eight. I'm sorry, it was 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Okay. Um, and so there was two journalists per um, per block. So there were two journalists doing live shots for the morning. Um, I was, uh, me and uh, Chris Hagen from uh, uh, Indianapolis, our sister station in Indianapolis, was doing a uh, the afternoon live shots from 4 to 8. And so basically what it was was every five minutes, 
we were live with a different station across the country that's owned by Nextstar, which is the the owners of our of our company here uh, at Fox Eight. So um, basically, at four o'clock, I started with my first live shot, and every five minutes, I was doing a different live shot for a different station across the country, um, including as you know small markets as um, Tyler, Texas. Yeah. Uh, but I did live shots with KTLA out of Los Angeles. Um, our friends down in Columbus with the WCMH uh, did a couple uh, shots, or, or all week long I did shots with um, Buffalo, uh, New York, and uh, you know Charleston, South Carolina. It was just uh, Savannah, Georgia. I mean, it just goes on and on. But it was a, a, a wide, a wide range of audience, um, small markets, TV stations to large market, um, and all stops in between. So, the, and the real weird thing that people might not even understand is, is that. You're down there, and they probably saw you do live shots for us and think, wow, what a great gig this guy's got. He's down there. It's, it, weather's warm, which true, it's very true it was. But you're, you're trying to keep your mind straight. All right, who am I talking to right now? How did you keep that, that your mind from getting kind of scrambled? Thing? Is this Grand Rapids? No, this can't be Grand Rapids. This must be something. Well, here, to, to take you behind the scenes, uh, for those of you who, who, who don't know, um, we had mic flags for every single station that we did a live shot for. So, for instance, when I did the Fox 8 live shot, I had the Fox 8 mic flag on. But as soon as I was done with that live shot, I was going to um, – it was – Channel 10, and I forgive me because I don't remember what city it was. I was in so many cities last week. Um, but I would literally take off the Fox 8 mic flag after my live shot um, before the next one started, and I would put the the, the, the sure. 10 one on. And then as soon as that one was over, I would go to Columbus and then to Buffalo, and I would put their mic flag on so that um, it looked like it was a local reporter in their market, yeah. um, you know, with their holding their mic flag, you know, giving the report. Um, but to, to give you a sense of how this works is – um, basically, every live shot was pretty much the same uh, in terms of I was pitching to the story that I had shot earlier in the day. Um, People have to realize too, you shot stories. You were down right. there. You had a camera. I mean, you were you were out. You were hustling. Right. So you'd start early in the morning. You'd go out. You gather your story. You write your story. You edit your story. Uh, you'd upload it for the station so that they could grab it and put it into their rundowns. And then that had to be done by two thirty. Then from two thirty to four, um, it, we called it basically the. Um, uh, the mic flag lineup. Uh, basically, what we did is to try to keep it as, <coughs> excuse me, as clean as possible. I would look at the rundown for the day and see what stations I was going to be live for, with, and I would line up their mic flags in order so that when one was done, I didn't have to sit there and try to search for the next one. I could just take off whatever one. mic flag I was on and put it on uh, on the next one. Um, so you're 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 repeating the same story. And you're hearing your same story probably pretty much every day was between about 40 and 60 live shots in, in a matter of four four hours uh, that, that I was on the, the riser. So if, to put that into perspective, I heard my story 40 times each night in my ear. Um, and I heard the same toss from the anchors to me. Uh, but because that was pre-written. Because it was pre-written. But the, the thing that people don't understand is the package that I did for Columbus, well, the people in Buffalo haven't seen it yet. So it was new to them. But for me, it was the same same old. And then there was sometimes where they did a Q&A where they're like, hey, we're short on time today. We're not going to run your piece. Instead, we're going to do a Q&A about the Super Bowl or about the piece that you did. Um, and that was just more or less um, – where the anchors would ask me questions and then I would respond to their questions okay. uh, based off of, of whatever it was. But uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't just me showing up and sitting in the sun all day long and getting a tan and sitting by the pool because a lot of times people think when you go to these events, that's, that's how they used to do. do it in the old days. Yeah, by the, the way. old, right, right. They just go sit by the pool and somebody else. No, you had to go 
Get your story, get your interviews, get it shot, get it edited, get writ- get it written, and then get your um, you know your yourself ready for these live shots. And then it's, on Monday uh, was media day, so as soon as I was done with my live shots, my day was not over. I had to drive uh, with um, with my friend uh, from. Fox Indy, who we were working with, Chris Hagen, we had to drive to Marlins Ballpark, and we had to go get media day. Uh, now, we had missed the Kansas City Chiefs because we were still on the air when they were having their media day, but we caught up with the San Francisco 49ers, and it was um, that's how we were able to get the Raheem uh, Mostert and the um, uh, Kyle Juszczyk sound bites about playing at Cloverleaf, right. and, and of course, uh, Raheem talking about uh, living in Westlake and how he's upset that Crocker yeah. Park moved the Chipotle on him. <laughs> That's because those were the questions that I generated uh, when we got there. And then, as soon as we were done there at uh, roughly 10 10 uh, we went back to the hotel and then we had to start uploading this so that the stations could get the sound that they wanted for the next day and they could have it. So it was one o'clock in the morning. So you start your day at 7 a.m. and you're working until 1 a.m. and then you know, you're sleeping for four hours, five hours, you're up again, and you're yep. doing the same thing all over again. So, it, you know, people just think, oh, he's just sitting there doing a live shot, and then he's, you know, just enjoying the sunshine. Well, it, it's a lot of work, and I remember the one night on a Wednesday, uh, Chris and I went to dinner after our uh, after our live shots, and we were sitting there, we were drinking water, and we both looked at each other, and we could feel that we were starting to lose our voice a little yeah. bit because we were just talking and talking and talking. Uh, but we never truly lost the voice. By Thursday, we were back at it again, going strong. Um, but the, the the thing you got to remember when you're doing these live shots is, you know, you're – yes, I may have been doing it for the 40th time or the 50th time, but I have to make sure that the 50th time is just as good, if not better, than the first time I did it. And it's it. the Be- first time somebody's seen somebody you do Somebody's seeing it. it. And, and the old adage in, in television or anywhere is, you know, um, first impressions are lasting ones. And, and this is the first time somebody's seeing you. And so you want to make the best impression. So even though you're tired and you, you've heard the same thing and you're standing in the, in the heat all day and the sun's baking on you, you've got to bring live shot number 50 just as strong if not stronger than what the very first one was at four o'clock when you started your shift what people don't also understand is how widespread or spread out some of these events can be you mentioned marlins park is where the media day was and of course the game is in this location practices were in other locations where the dolphins train and what have you similar situation here in cleveland for the all-star game we just had last year convention center was Mm -hmm. the site that's where you got a lot of the players then the ballpark had a few of the the uh you know whether it was the home run derby or it was the, the the future stars game, all that it's kind of if it's not coordinated as an event, then it's re, it, it takes so many people to pull this off. And just like with us here at Fox Eight being a next star station, which well, there's like two hundred now that are one hundred ninety seven hundred. Yeah, it's incredible. Right. And so there are people within the hierarchy of next star that are trying to make sure that. Most, if not all, the stations can be represented, but it takes a lot of work to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big thing, too, is and, and Miami's probably one of those extreme uh, Super Bowl uh, places because everything is so spread out. I mean, you have a lot of events were taking place in South Beach. Um, the, the main NFL experience was at the convention center in downtown Miami. Um, and then most of the hotels that people were staying at were 
um, in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, it was it was spread out enorm you know enormously over a couple of different cities. And and the thing about it is, you know, the first couple of days from our hotel where we were staying to get to the convention center took about forty minutes roughly. Okay. But by Friday, it took us an hour and fifteen minutes because now you had more and more, more traffic coming in, in yep. and more and more the the game traffic was coming in and everybody was flocking to downtown. Um, and so it was. Um, you know, it, it's not just as simple as, I, okay, I, I get up at 7, I walk across the street, I get my sound, I get my video, and I can edit, I'm done by 9.30. I mean, sometimes you start at 7, and it, it's 9 o'clock before you even get to the location to, to get your day started in terms of actually, you know, getting your shots that you need and your interviews that you need and, and, and coordinating all that. Um, and so that was obviously a big factor. Now, a place like Tampa, which will host the Super Bowl next year, everything will probably be more centralized, so it'll be a little bit more uh, controlled. But Miami is just so spread out that, you know, just driving uh, from the convention center to the stadium was a good 25, 30 minutes every day. So when we would leave the convention center after editing our piece to head to the stadium to do the live shots, we had to make sure that we gave ourselves at least a half hour, if not yeah. more, to get there, to get parked, to get set up, get the camera set up for the live shot, um, you know, get dialed into the uh, the um, the IFBs, which is the little earpiece that we wear in our ears so that we can hear the anchors and whatever that are tossing to us. And, you know, everything has to be, you know, you got to make sure you give yourself enough time. You don't want to be rolling up at 345 for a 4 o'clock live shot and just... Worst feeling you, on yes, earth. that you're just going to walk up there and be ready to go uh, because you just never know what kind of technical difficulty issues you'll face um, that could throw you know throw everything off and it's kind of like a snowball effect. When one thing goes wrong, then two, three, four, five <laughs> things go wrong, and you got to learn to just kind of adapt and and be ready to go right. You know when you're when that window opens. There's nobody in our business that has not had that nightmare probably countless times where they don't make their live shot, they don't make their radio appearance, uh, you know the practice took place two hours and you missed the whole thing yep. or whatever. The nightmare for you possibly could have been to think you're talking to Tyler, Texas, when in reality you're talking to Grand Rapids, Michigan. How did you keep all that straight? Because that, that would be kind of mind-numbing after a while. So the good thing about that was there we had a grid, um, and it basically was a big spreadsheet uh, to, to kind of draw illustration for folks. It was a big spreadsheet, and it had the times – um, down the left side of the column, like 4 o'clock. So each live shot window was five minutes. So stations had to hit their live shot window in that five-minute window okay. or else it was going to go on to the next station. So um, so precision and timing was uh, played a big key in this as well. But down the left side of the grid was the time. And then, um, then uh, to the right of that, they had the station – and then to the right of that, they had the anch the anchors' names uh, that we could look at. But there was also a gentleman in our in our ear. And this the for for me during the week from the four to eight o'clock uh, eight o'clock slot, I was pretty much talking to somebody in Chicago. Okay. And they would be like, um, they would say, "Okay, PJ, uh, you're first up. You'll be with WJW Fox Eight out of Cleveland. Okay. The anchors will be um, Natalie Herbick and Gabe Spiegel." Which Obviously, it was my hometown station, so I knew that. But um, to give you a perspective of what they were saying, and then as soon as the live shot was over, they would say, okay, next up, you're uh, going to be going to WCMH out of Columbus. The anchors will be, you know, XYZ and ABC. And then you just had to kind of, you know, get your mind right to remember, okay, this is the anchor's name. Uh, this is who I'm going to toss to. And several times, you know, I would just double check with the producer. Um, the name is, you know, yep. Nancy and Tim, right? Or or yep. Jackie and Dan, right? And they say, yes, that's, that's, their, that's their name. And then I would just make sure that I 
um, try to personalize that live shot when they toss to me, hey, good evening, Dan and Jackie. Uh, good to be with you here from South Florida. And then I'd go into my, my piece. Now, we were doing this juggling of the mic flags, and yeah. that was probably a tricky thing um, because not having worked at all of these these stations, obviously, that you're doing live shots for, you never really sure if it's the right mic flag. So when I would change mic flags and the producer would talk to me in my ear, I would say to them, is this the right mic? And there are several occasions, like Tyler, Texas, I remember for a specific <laughs> I don't know why I brought I that know, up, yeah. But Tyler, <laughs> Tyler, Texas has an NBC affiliate and a Fox affiliate. So the first day I put on the NBC and I asked them, is this your mic flag? Is this the correct one? And they said, no, that's our sister station. We're actually Fox 51 now at whatever hour we were on, 4 o'clock. And I said, what does your mic flag look like? And they said it should be, uh, it should say a Fox and a, a 51. It should be black and red. And I found it. I held it up to the camera. I said, is this it? And they're like, yes, that's it. So every day I knew at the when I was doing my 4 o'clock live shot or 5 o'clock live shot with Tyler, Texas, not to use the NBC affiliate flag, but to use the Fox 51. And there were other stations that were duopolies where you'd put on a mic flag and they said, that's not the right mic flag. That's actually our our sister station. We're you know we're NBC this hour, so I'd have to find the NBC one and put it on. So there was a lot of juggling of that, but there was always somebody in my ear telling me, okay, next up you're going to um, Savannah, Georgia. W. They would give you the call letters, um, and then they would tell you who the anchor was. And okay. then when the producer came on my in my ear, uh, they would tell me as well. They'd be like, hey, can you hear us? Yes, I got you loud and clear. Okay, the anchors tonight are going to be X, Y, Z, and ABC. So I knew. And then they would say, hey, we're going to toss your package. They'll ask you a question afterwards. And then as soon as I was done, boom, it was on to the next city. Okay. So that's how well, we kept it straight. Yeah, again, it boggles my mind just the amount that you had to do and, you know, keeping all that straight, PJ. That, that would just uh, just drive me absolutely insane. <laughs> so you, you carried it off. I don't know how you did it. Let's go game day. All right. Now, you're doing live shots for stations that don't have that are not Fox affiliates. We were Fox affiliates. We really didn't see you until after the game. Right. And you were busy doing live shots for all these next star stations all over the country. So how's game day go? And are you doing live shots as the game's going on for for, for markets elsewhere? So we had no live shot. I did a live webcast, uh, a big uh, big big game bound. Um, oh yeah, with uh, Jack digital, and with, yeah, yeah, with Jack and, and Chris. Um, and JB, we did a, 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 a pregame show for two hours um, out in front of the stadium. And we were, you know, predictions and just sure. all that kind of stuff. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Browns, of course, and then you, things like oh, that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> everybody wants to talk about the Browns. In fact, it's funny, JT. They asked me, what would a Super Bowl be like for Cleveland if the Browns win? I said, you you wouldn't even imagine what you, it would be. If I you can't the, even if picture you thought, it. Yeah, if you thought the Cavs parade was crazy, yeah. just imagine the Browns winning a Super Bowl or playing in a Super Bowl. I said it'd just be off the charts. But um, I had no, we had no pregame live shots because most stations were either doing, if they were Fox affiliates, were in the Fox pregame, or they they didn't have a six o'clock, they didn't have a show till six p.m. And at that point, they were going up against the Super Bowl, so it yeah, wasn't in their interest to do it. People should know if they're not in the business, if you're going up against a big event, you pretty much throw up your hands and say, "We'll run a test pattern and yep. see if that gets any numbers." Because to put all the time and resources into competing against the Super Bowl, it's insane. Yeah, it's. Crazy. Crazy. So I uh, had no pregame live shots. Um, then uh, got to watch the game in the stadium, uh, in person. And then with the final about five minutes or so, um, the me and my colleagues from uh, the different Nexstar stations across the country went down. Um, they put us in like a almost like a a, a, a holding area okay. underneath the tunnel. 
Uh, we had access to the Jumbotron and some TVs around the stadium, but we were underneath. We weren't actually on the field yet. And then after they handed the Vince Lombardi trophy to the Chiefs um, and the, the celebration continued, we were able to then make our way onto the field and get set up for live shots. And within five minutes of getting on the field, you're, we you're were running. already up doing our first live shot. That's how quick of a turn. I mean, it was just like, you know, guys were setting up, you know, all the yeah. gadgets and the, the, the technology that they needed to set up. And boom, they were in my ear, dialed in to the IFB. All right, you're going to, and I don't know what the first <laughs> station was, but you're up. And basically it was just, you know, hey, Tell us about the, the game. game. Yeah, yeah, what 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 changed yeah. the dynamics of this game? And you really had no time to think because you're you're running out on the field. You're trying to get in place, yeah. and then boom! Next thing you know, somebody's asking you a question about the game, and you just have to go and roll with it. And then it was like that all the way till about two thirty in the morning on uh, on Sunday night, Monday morning. So all told, during the week, you, you mentioned like three hundred live shots, fifteen hundred for the for the company, and just. Uh, uh, you would do this again, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, at first it, it was a daunting task when I was given the assignment and I was learning what was all going to be involved. You yeah. know, long, obviously long days, um, not a lot of sleep. And But I was like, listen, you're going to be in Miami, Florida for, <laughs> for eight days. Um, you're going to be in the sunshine. You're going to be covering the biggest sporting event, you know, of, of the year. Um, I mean, what, what's not to like about it? And after going through the experience, despite the lack of sleep, despite the number of live shots, um, I, I enjoyed myself. I had a blast doing the live shots, talking to different country, uh, different stations across the country, sharing my story that I did for that day with, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of viewers all across the, you know, all across the USA. Um, it was incredible, and I, you know, I, I, when I came back, I even told our bosses if they asked me to do it again, I would do it and do it in a heartbeat. It was just um, the week was a blur. Uh, I, you know, I kind of remember some of the stories I did and some of the fun stuff that I that I, yeah. you know, got to do along with it. But um, it, it, the week just flew by. I mean, I I got there Sunday, um, the day of the Pro Bowl, and I didn't leave till Monday after the game. And when I got there Sunday, you know, I was thinking, you know, like to Friday already, and I was like, holy smokes, this is gonna be a long week. But next thing I know, I looked up and it was Sunday. We were doing live shots, and I was just like, "This yeah. is it. This is the culmination of the whole week." And uh, when you're in a, a situation like that, and I think you'll attest to this, you literally have to. And we hear the cliche from players: take it one game at a time. You have to take it one day at a time. You can't start thinking about what you're going to be doing on Sunday, on Monday, because it just it throws everything off. Focus on your story for that day. Focus on what you're doing. Let you know. Worry about tomorrow tomorrow you know mm -hmm. or after your live shot so um but yeah i would do it in a heartbeat if i was asked again it was an awesome opportunity what was the feedback you were getting from people that were either within the business or within the football world about the state of the browns um so a lot of people were interested to um share their opinion on the browns <laughs> a lot of them thought um that the reason the browns are in the position they're in is because of what they're doing now they just keep creating more change they seem to always be behind the eight ball, if that makes sense, in terms of instead of reinventing the wheel for the right ways of doing things, they keep going back to the same old, same old, same old, you know, and, and it, it goes mm -hmm. to the same old Browns, same old Browns. Right. Um, a lot of people like the Kevin Stefanski hire. Um, not a lot of people were thrilled or excited about the fact that they got rid of John Dorsey. They thought he was a big piece of acquiring the talent they did, yep. um, which kind of echoes a lot of what Clevelanders think. You know, a lot of yeah. Clevelanders liked the John Dorsey deal and uh, thought he got a, um, you know, got a raw deal with that. But, uh, hey, when you're a billionaire and you have yeah. the money to do it, you call the shots the way you want. Uh, a lot of people 
don't agree with the setup that the Browns have where everybody reports to ownership, but that's the system that they've developed and that's what the system Jimmy wants. And so um, it's going to go on. But I think a lot of people are just kind of interested now to see how this all plays out. More than more so they know that the system, uh, not as broken, uh, but the, the, the way that the system is set up to fail, that they're, it's almost to the point for the Browns where they're, uh, the, these outsiders are saying, okay, let's see if this works, if yeah. this is going to work, if there's a way that they can make this uh, fit, if, if, if they can make this turnaround begin. But yeah. uh, but I think a lot of um, national people have the same perspective a lot of Clevelanders have, which is, you know, we've been through this story before, we've been through this change before, we've become numb to it. So yeah. at this point, you know, actions speak louder than words. I, I really think, PJ, I, I totally concur with what you're saying. I think in many ways people – People that are paid to be um, contrarians, paid to be uh, experts, analysts, they've run out of ammunition. They've tried, they've said every imaginable thing or way that the Browns have either screwed things up or the potential for uh, uh, slipping on a banana peel is there once again. They've said everything, and I think, I think they, if, if they'd had their druthers, they'd wish for another team to be calamitous the way the Browns have been so they could start picking on them. Right. Because they're just done with the Browns. They want, like you have said, just see what the heck they do. I, in, in my own mind, I'm trying to just be less snarky about it and just taking everything at face value, not necessarily giving them the benefit of the doubt, but just let's see what happens. And I'm going to with 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 refrain rather from just being entirely negative and if they go out and have a you know an eight and eight year or a nine and seven or whatever kind of year that they have with the talent that they have then then i think you'll start to win people back but until then it's just there's just so much disgust at what they've done and they have to earn everybody's trust back yeah and i think that's kind of the national uh the sentiment that most national uh football insiders and experts uh you know, it's like, okay, it's the same old Browns, same old Browns. We keep saying the same thing about them. Uh, they're not really changing their ways. They, they right. continue to do the same thing over and over again. So at this point, go out there now and just prove that this is going to work. And then, you know, we can start talking about, you know, Browns in the playoffs or postseason or whatever instead of, oh, Browns are making another change. Oh, Browns are making another change. In fact, while I was down there, the running joke was, um, and, I, and I don't remember who started it, but there was a running joke down there that uh, – uh, well, another day has passed, and the Browns have uh, you know fired another coach or have yeah. fired another yeah. person, or are they getting ready to hire another person? It's like what what would the Super Bowl be without the Browns making the news because of a hiring or a firing? And that that was kind of the sentiment, just kind of across the board mm-hmm. uh, from from a lot of national experts and pundits. PJ, what time you got? Four thirty-six. We're getting close. All right, I've I've got to do a a, a, a pop on the air. Sorry, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't doing what we were <laughs> we just talking about, about missing, missing a live shot. shot. <laughs> uh, but uh, today's big news is uh, the Cavaliers uh, acquiring Andre Drummond. So uh, that's the story. But I wanted to get you after you had an opportunity to get back after working so long, get a couple of days of rest. Then when you're back in here uh, at the station, kind of getting your feet back under you to uh, to say first of all, great job. Uh, first and foremost but great assignment but you you crushed it and and i would think uh in two weeks you'll be down at daytona <laughs> no, I, I wish i wish there will be a crew down there but you know the other thing too that people don't realize when you go on a story like this it helps to have contacts yeah um you know i got the ed kelsey story uh because ed and i have 
you know, been in communication. So when I, I knew he was going down there, we talked, we communicated, we set it up. Hey, meet me here at South Beach before you, you know, go do whatever you're going to do. Shoot this story in the morning, get it, you know, get it back. Nobody else had nobody else had that. And it was a great story because both of his sons have now played in a Super Bowl. Both yeah. of them have now and both of them have now won a Super Bowl title. And um, they've done it within, you know, two years of each other. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. A, a father to have one son play in the National Football League is incredible. And yeah. to go to the Super Bowl is great. But to have two sons and both both of them play and win and win and now Ed, you know, kind of upping the ante says now the next thing he wants is he wants a Kelsey versus Kelsey Super Bowl. He wants the Chiefs versus the well, Eagles. Well, tell him to quit being so <laughs> doggone greedy. <laughs> but no, that was great stuff. And again, yesterday at the parade, uh, Travis crushed it up on the podium, just going crazy in the same manner that his, his brother did two years ago. When he ago wore the kilt. The, when he wore yeah, the, the kilt at the, uh, the Eagles uh, parade. But uh, no, just a great family and. Uh, you know, it's good just to, to, to be able to bring that local story to uh, not only Northeast Ohio, but across the country, because I think it played well with the fact that, you know, a father has yep. seen both of his sons playing a Super Bowl. And by the way, they play in two different teams, uh, you know, two different leagues. And all products of Friday Night uh, Touchdown. Friday Night Touchdown, <laughs> Cleveland Heights. <laughs> Thanks, BJ. Great Thanks, talking to you, buddy. Appreciate it. Good job. Thank you. Thanks a lot, PJ. Great work down there. And we look forward to perhaps the day that a Cleveland professional football team named the Browns makes it down to the Super Bowl and we get a chance to do live shots 24-7. Sign me up for that. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you can subscribe, rate us five stars, and help us push this out, we certainly would appreciate it. So until the next time, we'll see you right here on Tellage Talks.